Carcinogenicity is the ability of a substance to cause cancer. In the development world, you test for this, and the International Council for Harmonization has released a new guidance on that testing. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. We're going to talk about it over the next two shows with someone who knows a lot about it. That's Bruce Pierce, and this is Inside Biologics. there, Bruce. There is a lot here that we need to go over, and that's why we're going to have two shows. But before we do that, why don't we just tell people who Bruce Pierce is? Oh, well, thank you, James. I will. I'm a classically trained pharmacologist and toxicologist with broad expertise in early and late stage development of small molecules and biologics. 30 years of working in this area contributes to this broad spectrum of experience. Prior to the 12-year plus tenure at Biologics Consulting, I had a number of positions in both biotech industry and academia, including in as an independent consultant within biotech. I was involved in the development of molecules like hemoglobin-based oxygen carriers used to treat blood loss and in surgery and severe trauma and was involved in the development of lineup toxin therapeutic. Rather go on and on here for 10 or 15 minutes, I think the scope and depth of my research and drug development interests are reflected in part in my more than 85 publications, including in peer-reviewed journals. Wow. Wow. So you are kind of here, there, and everywhere. That's cool. Now, talking about, you said you could go on and on about your credentials. The other thing you could go on and on about, and you're going to have to because that's what we're doing here, is this new guidance from the ICH. The ICH released a guidance called, let me make sure I have this correctly, S1BR1, Addendum to S1B, Testing for Carcinogenicity of Pharmaceuticals. And if I understand what we're talking about right, this guidance will allow for the use of a weight of evidence argument instead of the two-year rat carcinogenicity study. Now, how can a sponsor take advantage of that, and why should a sponsor take advantage of that? Okay, thank you for the question. Great question. Before I get started in addressing that two-part question, I just wanted to mention why, you know, what the reason is for preparing the podcast so soon after this guidance was introduced. It was only introduced in November of last year. And it this is because it's something that sponsors need to be very proactive about in order to take advantage of the opportunity to use if you correctly identify weight of evidence arguments in lieu of performing the required two-year carcinogenicity study. And I'm going to repeat this theme again and again, the urgency in terms of paying attention to this and developing a strategy for dealing with carcinogenicity assessment. And the reason this is so important in part is that carcinogenicity assessment studies involve a large number of animals. 600 animals per species that would be tested that take a long time to perform and to analyze the data, and they're very expensive. They can range between two and four million. In addition to the pivotal studies, the design and the dosing of these studies must be supported based upon the results of other studies. For example, 
long-term six to nine-month toxicology studies in rats to support dosing in the two-year rat studies, and generally about a 16-week dose range finding study in wild-type mice are needed to support the proposed RAS-H2 transgenic mouse study. In addition to this, the design of these studies should first be reviewed and the justification for dosing accepted by FDA's Carcinogenicity Assessment Committee, the CAC, before initiating the studies. These dose range finding studies, of course, add significant time and costs to the overall program, then an aggregate can be more than four years. Hence my rationale for arguing very strongly to begin to work on your strategy for carcinogenicity testing is soon after genotoxicity testing, for example, is completed. Okay. And once it's clear that carcinogenicity testing will be required for your particular therapeutic. I wanted to also add, following on the height of the pandemic and continuing even today, the lead times for long-term toxicology studies can be up, up to one year, depending on the CRO. And this, the factors contributing to this logjam coming out of the pandemic will resolve going forward, and I'm starting to see signs of that already. But right now, proactive planning and scheduling are absolutely critical for programs to meet their projected milestones. All right. Now, the, this guidance, I, I have a question about that. Does it apply to both small molecules and biologic? Very good question. Today's discussion will focus on the requirements for small molecules. Carcinogenicity bioassays are generally not appropriate for biotechnology-derived pharmaceuticals, biologics. However, product-specific assessment of carcinogenic potential may still be needed depending upon the duration of the clinical dosing, the patient population, the biologic activity of the product. For example, does it have, is it a growth factor that is affect growth factors, immunosuppressive, or is there evidence of carcinogenic potential of other drugs in the same class? Testing may not be needed if the intended clinical exposure is not greater than three to six months or the risk of carcinogenicity has been addressed in a weight of evidence approach, summarizing the published data and information from other molecules in the class. However, detailed information on the target biology and the mechanism of action in vitro data, data from chronic toxicity, and clinical data may be important. In some cases, the available information can be sufficient to address this without performing additional non-clinical studies. However, the product-specific assessment, which you'll need to do for a biologic, of the carcinogenic potential is used to communicate risk for the molecule, provide input to risk management plan along with the product labeling, clinical monitoring, post-marketing surveillance, which and some combination of these approaches may be needed. This is something that should be discussed with the review division of FDA responsible for your particular drug to uh, understand what they require to address the issue of carcinogenicity. A more detailed discussion of how carcinogenic potential of biologics may be addressed is 
beyond the scope of our discussion today. And okay. listeners are directed to ICH S1A and S6 guidances for further information in this regard. So, would you recommend, if not urge sponsors, to address the question of the need and requirements for carcinogenicity testing early in the development program? Yes, exactly. Absolutely. That's a major point here. All right. So, an aspect of this guidance that needs to be looked at as well is the need to perform carcinogenicity testing in two animal species, including the high-dose criteria for the most popular transgenic mouse model. Now, what about that? Yes. So, the... The ICH guidance, ICHS1B guidance, was first issued in 1997, and it called for flexibility in considering approaches to address pharmaceutical carcinogenicity testing. But the default has became to perform two long-term studies, and this evolved into the practice of performing studies in one of several transgenic mouse models plus a two-year rat study. The ICH S1B guidance also mentions a number of transgenic mouse models that could be considered for shorter-term carcinogenicity studies. However, over the past 20 years, pharmaceutical development experience with models other than the RAS H2 transgenic mouse is far more limited. But one of the problems associated with this was uh, that the use of the transgenic mouse study is the exposure ratio endpoint used in the animal to human plasma area under the curve determination used to set the high dose for the RAS H2 mouse study, similar to what was has been set for the two-year mouse study. And the way this has been resolved, and it's addressed in this addendum, is a comprehensive analysis was conducted to assess exposures and outcomes from previous RAS H2 transgenic mouse studies. And this is described in section three of this addendum. The results of this analysis indicated that a 50-fold plasma area under the curve exposure ratio is an adequate criterion for high-dose selection versus the 25-fold adopted for the RAT two-year CARSI study. Getting back more specifically to your question, James, uh -huh. in terms of the evolution of thinking about CARSI testing, Dr. Timothy McGovern, the Associate Director of Pharmacology and Toxicology and FDA Center for Drug Evaluation and Research Office, uh, has indicated that changes to this testing paradigm have been sought since its introduction in 1997 to incorporate progress in the science to reduce the use of the number of animals used in this testing. Since publication of the original S1B guidance, scientific advances toward elucidation of the mechanism of carcinogenicity, a greater understanding of the limitations of these rodent models, ICH and FDA have concluded recently that two-year rat carcinogenicity studies might not add value to human assessing human carcinogenicity risk. In some cases, and the carcinogenic potential could have some could have been assessed adequately based on, for example, a comprehensive assessment of all the available pharmacological, 
biological and toxicological data. Now, what was the basis for coming to this conclusion? This is an important question. In a nutshell, an international prospective study was conducted under ICHS-1 that was uh, issued in 2012. This study, this prospective study, compared the results of two-year carcinogenicity studies performed on 45 molecules to carcinogenicity assessment documents submitted by the sponsors performing these two-year studies that address what the integrated weight of evidence assessment concluded regarding whether or not these two-year studies would provide additional valuable evidence regarding carcinogenic risk to humans. The findings following a review of these data by the regulatory members of the ICH expert working group overseeing this evaluation was that an integrated weight of evidence approach could be used to adequately assess the human carcinogenic risk for certain pharmaceuticals in lieu of conducting the two-year rat study in some cases. This new addendum introduces or articulates a comprehensive and integrative approach to assessing human carcinogenic risk of pharmaceuticals in a regulatory document for the first time. The goals of the addendum are to expand the testing scheme for assessing human carcinogenic risk by introducing an integrative approach, just keep using the same term, and provides specific weight of evidence criteria, guidelines into specific criteria that inform whether or not a two-year rat study is likely to add value to human carcinogenicity risk assessment. The second goal was to encourage more mechanism-based approach to human carcinogenicity risk assessment of pharmaceuticals starting earlier in drug development. This is an important one because this adds to my urgency or to the urgency for sponsors to be looking at this early on because you have opportunities with other experimentation and analysis to contribute to the weight of evidence and they're pushing us in this direction and to reduce the use of animals in accordance to the three R principles that is replacement reduction and refinement Uh and to focus on generating more again mechanism-based carcinogenicity assessments. And the final one was the one that we touched on before, and that is setting this high-dose ratio of area under the curve of exposure in the transgenic mouse versus humans. Okay, now, there was something you said a little bit earlier in the conversation. We're going to run it back a little bit. You talked about Carcinogenic potential could have been ex- uh, assessed, excuse me, adequately based on a comprehensive assessment of all available pharmacological, biological, and toxicologic da- toxicological data. So, what did you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, this is the central question in this this new addendum, this guidance documents here. Toward the end of our first part here, let, let me begin to address that. Okay. It essentially means that it may be possible, in lieu of performing the two-year study in rats, to provide a comprehensive, integrated weight of evidence document assessing human carcinogenic risk of drugs 
which involves integration of the data for specific factors to consider. Use, and we'll come back to these factors to consider in part two of this podcast. And using data in the literature, as well as data from results obtained with the particular therapeutic agent in question, to support uh, the one of three conclusions that carcinogenicity is likely, or two, it's unlikely. And in both these cases of likely or unlikely, you can argue that a two-year rat carcinogenicity study would not add value. And finally, the outcome is uncertain, such that a two-year carcinogenicity study would add value to human risk assessment. In cases where the weight of evidence assessment leads to a conclusion of uncertainty regarding human carcinogenicity potential, the approach described originally in S1B of conducting two long-term carcinogenicity studies, or the the two-year study in rats and the shorter study in the transgenic mouse model would be the most important strategy. Okay. Now, like you said, you've got a lot more to say about this, and you're going to get to say it, but you're not going to get to say it today. But if you'll stick around, we will conclude this interview and people can hear it on our next episode. But between now and then, if you would like more information from Bruce or from anybody else here at Biologics, just email us at insight at biologicsconsulting.com. That's insight at biologicsconsulting, all one word, dot com. And also, we'd love it if you'd like, subscribe to, rate, and review our show. The executive producer of Insight Biologics is Chris Crayhansel. This episode was produced and edited by James C. Taylor, and the technical supervisor is Jeff Weiss. The Insight at Biologics theme is by Tom Rory Parsons. I am James C. Taylor. Thank you for joining us, and please come back for more Insight at Biologics. <laughs>